Hey, good morning. It is Thursday. It is August 22nd, and I am so happy to be back behind the microphone. I'm Tara. This is the U.S. and its territories. And to all of my eight listeners, I love you. Thanks for giving me a little bit of time to take a break from all of this. I I found myself, well, not only was I busy and also kind of lazy, but I was sad. Being in the news, like living it, breathing it, following it, day in and day out, it's depressing and it's exhausting. And it's frustrating when you see that nothing You feel like nothing is being done and you feel helpless, right? You know all of this crazy shit is going on. You see all the cover-ups and it just starts to, it starts to wear on you. And I started thinking like, am I the crazy one here? Am I just another crazy conspiracy theorist on YouTube ranting about how the government is poisoning us with chemtrails and making frogs gay and all of that kind of stuff? But no, I, I took a breather And you know what? We can't let ourselves get exhausted. This is crazy town shit, but if we continue to ignore it, nothing's going to happen. That being said, uh, there is, you've probably heard now that um, Jerry Nadler and some of the other uh, leaders in the Democratic uh, caucus have said, yes, we are in a formal impeachment inquiry. Now, they haven't actually filed articles of impeachment. They haven't brought it to a vote yet because they would not get support in the Senate at this point, and it would just die. But they said all these subpoenas and things that they're doing are part of a formal impeachment inquiry, and that's why they're doing it. So I think we do need to be patient. Impeachment processes take a very long time. I just hope that the stalling tactics aren't purely political, right? I know with the election in 2020 looming that they kind of want to time it correctly, uh, so this hurts his chances of getting reelected, but it's time to it's time to do their jobs, right? Their job, like especially on these oversight committees, it is their job to oversee things. So, using the 2020 election as an excuse to delay doing what it what they were elected to do uh, isn't a good excuse anymore. So, anyway, so there's that piece. The second piece, the reason I'm behind the microphone today, is because the last like 48 hours have taken the crazy town to an even different level. I need to come up with a different level, uh, a different phrase for what level of crazy we're at now because I don't even have a word to describe it. We need to talk about Trump's actions over the last couple of days. Just the things that he said, not even his actions, just his words, because it does matter. I know we like to dismiss him and we like to roll our eyes and be like, what the fuck? But it's important to pay attention because shit is getting very scary and serious. (laughs) Here I am with my fear-mongering conspiracy theories. Anyway, so (laughs) I'm going to quit I'm going to quit being so hard on myself about my crazy ranting and give you my crazy rant. So here we go. You have, I hope that you've kind of been hearing a little bit about this because it's very important and most media outlets are reporting on it. But you probably know that Donald Trump tweeted, because that's how he do, that he wanted to buy Greenland from Denmark. He, we thought it was a joke, right? Like, isn't that cute? No, he was fucking serious. And in fact, he has canceled an official state visit to Denmark because the prime minister said she will not entertain this conversation at all. Because 
you don't do that. Like you don't just buy a chunk of someone's country and the people in it. Greenland has about 53,000 residents, not huge, but 53,000 people that are Danish citizens that are, you know, involved in the Danish government. You don't get to just buy those people. I'm sorry. Like, it's a, it, what century are we living in? Things don't work like that anymore. Um, so Donald Trump said he's just going to take his toys and go home if she won't sell him Greenland or at least talk to him about it. Holy shit, that actually happened. So right after that, that was on Tuesday night that Trump tweeted this. Then on Wednesday, this is um, Wednesday morning, he was addressing some reporters outside the White House and he made a comment that said that if you're if you vote for a Democrat, like at, at the, the Jew, the Jewish people who vote for Democrats are disloyal and disloyal to Israel. Um, so this is coming in the wake of you've probably heard about this um, representatives Talib and Omar who Trump has been very critical of, uh, he was able to get Israel to block their official visit um, by tweeting that he thought they shouldn't be allowed to go visit Israel because they've been pro-Palestine uh, previously. And that happened. Israel actually said that they weren't going to allow these representatives to visit. So Trump goes on to say um, that any... He says, I think any Jewish people that vote for a Democrat, I think it shows either a total lack of knowledge or great disloyalty. Why is this dangerous and crazy? Well, this is exactly the kind of rhetoric that was used in Europe in the 1930s. Anne Lewis, Mark Melman of the Democratic Majority for Israel, uh, gave a quote that said, you know, this is one of, you know, that, that one of the most dangerous deadly accusations Jews have faced over the years are false charges of disloyalty. It's led over the centuries to Jews being murdered, jailed, and tortured. This kind of rhetoric framing Jewish people as unpatriotic or as disloyal to our country um, is, is really, really dangerous. And this is, and, and Trump's doubling down on it. And are you ready to hear how he doubled down? You are not going to fucking believe this. Later on, on Wednesday, he, re he, he retweeted a quote from a conspiracy theorist named Wayne Allen Root that said, so this guy, Root, said, and then Trump retweeted that he was, quote, the greatest president for Jews and for Israel in the history of the world. And that, quote, the Jewish people in Israel love him. He's like the king of Israel. So Trump is tweeting that. Then we're going to go a little bit further down this God complex demagogue route here and talk about yesterday, Trump's 35-minute rant on the White House lawn in front of a, a, of a helicopter, right, ready to go, a, a running helicopter, since he's so busy and has very, you know, important places to be, he left this helicopter running on the White House lawn for 35 minutes while he doubled down on all of this stupid bullshit and even went a step further. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'm just, I'm just going to play it. So somebody, excuse me, somebody had to do it. I am the chosen one. Somebody had to do it. So I'm taking on China. 
I'm taking on China on trade. Uh, I was put here, I was put here by people, I was put here by people to do a great job. And that's what I'm doing. And nobody's done a job like I've done. Now. Yeah. So you remember earlier that day, he called himself the King of Israel. Well, he retweeted someone else calling him the King of Israel. And then yesterday, he's the chosen one. So that's what's going on in crazy town Trump land. And if you don't feel, uh, if you're feeling really depressed about the state of things, I actually have a little beacon of hope. And who'd have thunk it's coming from the terrible human being that is Anthony Scaramucci. The Mooch was White House Communications Director for all of about 31 days before he was fired. Now, this happened uh, several years ago. So you would think if he was just a disgruntled employee and, and pissed at Trump about being fired that, you know, that would have come out years ago. But the Mooch continued to support Donald Trump throughout the years, uh, continued to defend him. And this is why I've hated him for so long. But then he wrote an op-ed for the Washington Post earlier this week titled, I Was Wrong About Trump, Here's Why, where he talks about how he now... You know, in, in the beginning, he thought that maybe he could, you know, bring a little common sense and kind of get things back to, you know, conservative values, all that kind of stuff. But he quickly found out that that is not how things work in Trump's White House. So uh, I, I, I highly recommend reading the entire article. It's not very long. It won't take you long to get through it. But here is what I think is the most important part of this. He says that this is not like a like it like it wasn't like a light switch, right? It, like he didn't all of a sudden decide that he hated Trump. That it's been a very slow journey, and he admits that it's taken him a lot longer than it should have to realize how dangerous this president really is, and he's sorry for that. And and at the very end of the article, I think this is the most important part of it. He says, "I challenge my fellow Republicans to summon the nerve to speak out on the record against Trump." Defy the culture of fear he has created and go public with the concerns that you readily express in private. Hold on to your patriotism and help save the country from his depredations. And to the members of the so-called resistance, please leave room on the off-ramp for those willing to admit their mistakes. I think that's really important. We, as, you know, and I, I keep saying we, like, um, but... For people who are part of this resistance, for, for people who are Democrat, going to vote Democrat, we need to be willing to accept people like the Mooch, even though we don't agree with their politics, whenever they finally can admit they were wrong. It's really hard to do. It's really hard, especially, if, you know, you've been defending this guy for two years and to, to, to come out and say, you know what, maybe I was wrong. It takes guts and it's hard to do. So we need to be very welcoming of right-wingers uh, who are coming out against Trump. And in fact, um, this is the uh, other part about the Mooch's story that I think is really uh, incredible. He is forming his own anti-Trump super PAC. So he's actually, he said that, you know, he feels bad enough about what he did to like help this man you know, stay in power and and for supporting him for so long that he feels like the only way he can redeem himself is by making sure that he does not get elected in 2020. And even though it's the mooch and not someone like Mitch McConnell with any, you know, someone with real power, uh, 
doing this, I think it paves the way for other Republicans who also uh, are starting to realize how wrong they've been about Donald Trump and sees the real danger in it. Uh, the the anti the anti Jewish remarks, the God complex stuff, the wishy washiness on gun control, and you know cowing to the NRA's wishes. And let's not forget, we have absolute proof that the Russians meddled in our elections. And there are no steps being taken to make sure that doesn't happen in 2020. And that's that's incredibly dangerous. So I think as all these dangers, real actual dangers start piling up, it, it becomes less about politics and more about coming together as Americans and defining how we want our country to to run, right? We're losing our democracy here. So... My point is, stay vigilant, keep those conversations going, and as uh, they say in The Handmaid's Tale, don't let the bastards grind you down. Thanks for listening. I love you. Have a great day.